So we are, we're back. We're back. And very exciting. You have weather to report. I, so I was teaching yesterday and I kept stopping during teaching, looking outside. I was like, huh, there's like weather happening here. Yeah, I was so excited when I saw like I went on the radar app and I was watching the storm come in and I was like, oh, my gosh, they're getting weather. Yeah, we got we got something called rain. So, something was a there was a wetness in the air that seemed to be forming droplets. Drops came out of the sky and landed on the ground. It was um, moisture, a moisture of sorts. February was one of the driest months in San Diego history. Oh, really? Yeah. Because it does. Um, I mean, we joke a lot, but it does rain on and off. But it, No, this is supposed to be our rainy season. Like, we're supposed to get all of our rain from November through March. February was very, very dry. Uh, January was pretty good. February was very dry. But then yesterday, we got well over an inch of rain, which is about a 20th of our annual total. So that's good. Um, we actually, a couple of days next week, they're saying we're going to get big rain as well. So, um, I was Harvey, Harvey did not like the rain at all. No, I'm sure he doesn't want to go out in that. He and set up a pee pad for me inside, please. Yes. Well, I was supposed, I needed to go out and get a few things. And I was like, no, like, so in Southern California, when it rains, stay at home. Well, cause um, people don't know how to drive. Th- clueless. So they just drive faster. Yeah. Yeah. I was um, on the phone with my parents and they were getting all excited about the rain or I, I don't know if excited is the right word, but like anxious, maybe my dad's like, I got to go make sure that the windows in the car are rolled up. And I was like, why are they rolled down? Like, <laughs> Cause it's San Diego what are you talking about. Like, I bet you like, there's like, I don't know. You think the cats would crawl in there or something, but I think it was just like, he likes to be alarmed, you know, like, I've got to just make sure everything's perfect. <laughs> the weather's so rarely that when it happens, we have to overreact to it. Yeah, that's what he says. Like, I'm going to go batten down the hatches. I was like, listen, it's not Hurricane Harvey. Okay, relax. <laughs> but we were joking about it. But um, he's like, well, I'm just going to stay inside all day. So it was, it was an event. So good for you guys. There you go. So this week, I think we're doing something a little lighter. Um, is it lighter? I don't know. I think it, I think some of the things I'm going to bring up are a little bit lighter. Um, I've tried to balance it with funny things. Okay. As opposed to like, Ooh, this is disturbing for today. And I'm like, this is so terrifying. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Cause today we're talking about conspiracy theories. Again, we're doing a part two because we first visited this subject very early on in the podcast, right? I mean, we we did it, I think, uh, in 2019. So before the 2020 election had really geared up. And I re-listened to the episode just today to make sure that, you know, I remember what we had said. And I am kind of shocked at how flippant I was about it, kind of like laughing and giggling, like, oh, can you believe these people? And now I'm like, oh my gosh, to me, so much of the wild, crazy theories have come mainstream where it's not just an off the wall, like you can go read about it on Reddit or something, or like there's like a, you know, a dark corner of the internet where people are talking like it's so mainstream now that I'm actually alarmed. And so I'm happy that you are like, let's talk about a little bit lighter, but for me, I'm kind of scared. So calm me down. 
Calm everybody down, Jeff. All right, I will. Well, so, I mean, let's get started, and then we can kind of chat a little more. Okay. Welcome to An Incomplete History. I'm Hillary. And I'm Jeff. And we're your hosts for this weekly history podcast. So before we dive into kind of the the nitty gritty of today's episode, I do want to clarify the rain's completely gone. It is sunny and gorgeous outside with just a few wispy clouds. Beautiful. Um, it's why we live in sunny San Diego. But what's going on in Mississippi? You got it's really beautiful here today. Um, is it ninety five there yet? No, not yet. We get you know like twenty seconds of spring, I think. And today feels like a very nice spring day. It's probably in the mid seventies. It's sunny out. It's not humid. It just feels really, really good out today. And so um, I was actually thinking, like, gosh, it'd be really nice to go for a walk or something. Um, yeah, it's seventy two right now and sunny. So, so are the magnolias are the magnolias getting ready to bloom? Not yet. No, that'll happen in a couple of months. But I think I mentioned the daffodils last week and I actually drove on campus yesterday and they're not bloomed yet. So I think that that freeze really slowed it down because this time last year they were gone already. They were right. like bloomed and gone this time last year. So I'm kind of... I mean, beginning of March, I'm trying to remember when I was growing up, like when March would come early... Growing or when Easter would come early, there was never a time when I grew up in the South when Easter came early that flowers weren't blooming. Mm-hmm. Like, hmm, interesting. So interesting. So Mississippi, Oxford, Mississippi. I see the governor of Mississippi raised the mask mandate, and I'm saying this for a reason. This is leading into a conspiracy theory. Yes, he did, and not just not only did he lift the mask mandate, but all restrictions that were in place pre-COVID or for COVID have been lifted to pre-COVID rules. And I was shocked. Our mayor, who's been pretty reasonable throughout the pandemic, has lifted every restriction. I mean, the bars, everything's open back up to full capacity, no required masks. And I am blown away by that. Uh, because before there was a state mask mandate, we we had a mask mandate in the city of Oxford. And so I was always kind of like, oh, well, that's good. You know, the mayor's kind of following more federal guidelines rather than state, but not now. And everybody, I mean, everybody I talk to is shocked by it, but there must be a lot of, a lot of widespread support. And I know that I live in a bit of an academic bubble. Like, well, not a bit of one. I live in an academic bubble. I get that. But yeah, people, I think people are pumped about it. You know, everyone's back full capacity partying and who it's so, I mean, so Mississippi basically followed Texas model, yeah, which is I just, mean, just just say everything's open 100% no more masks. I think there's going to be more states that follow and I think that we will see it fall along the lines of the Confederacy um you know doing you know have playing we're our own country kind of stuff like they enjoy doing all the time. Uh I think we'll see um Alabama, Florida Arkansas. Yeah, yeah I think I think we'll see a lot of states just follow suit to this because 
that's just what they do here. So let's talk about COVID-19 and conspiracies. Then we can move back to, because I want to get to an, a couple of other epidemics or pandemics. Okay. Conspiracies were tied to as well. But so, I mean, there are a lot of conspiracies about COVID-19. So one of them, the one that cracks me up, Hillary Clinton went to George Soros and got him to give money to Bill Gates to use the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to go to China, to Wuhan, to develop this virus, to undermine Trump's presidency, number one, and to simultaneously microchip us for the new world order. (laughs) Yeah, I I read that one. There's a lot of twists and turns here. I mean, it, it takes a lot of different forms. It kind of shoves several things that people are upset about and like shoves them all together into one, one story. And it has a lot of buzzwords, right? So you've got China, George Soros, Hillary Clinton, 5G. Is that what that, that's what that is, right? Like the 5G. I think 5G is involved in it. Yeah. 5G is involved in it as well. Yeah. So you get like all of these buzz things. And what I will say is like, the pandemic sucks. We don't really know a lot about it. We know that we're living through it. We know that a lot of people are getting very ill from this virus. We know a lot of people are dying. We know it's easily transmittable and it's trans it's transmitted through the air, which we didn't know at first. Now we know that. And so I think that, you know, since people are so overwhelmed by the overall shittiness of this. And there isn't a lot of research or information about it because we're living in it. You know, there hasn't been a huge amount of time to really kind of process what happened. People just make things up. I think it's, I think it's what we talked about in our original episode that conspiracy theories emerge when there's a lack of information or there's a high sense of anxiety about something and people just want answers and they actually don't really care if the answers make any sense or whether they're grounded in evidence. They just want answers. But I also think this COVID conspiracy is like packaging, like you said, all of these things that people love to kind of demonize into one thing. I mean, first of all, logically, let's approach this. Bill and Melinda Gates do not need money from George Soros to do anything. That's a really good point. That's such a good point. They don't need money from anybody to do anything. And they're certainly not going to go to somebody like Hillary Clinton for money. Well, they went to they went to George Soros for but money. But Hillary Clinton was involved too, I thought. She told George Soros to give them the money. I see. <laughs> I'm sorry. See, now I'm doing it again where I'm just laughing. But I, it's a very serious issue. And like... It does. Yes. If you break it down step by step, it does not make sense. What I find interesting about this theory, though, is this was an already made up theory with Zika, with the Zika virus. Remember that? I mean, that they they said they I hate using that. They said um, there was a theory going around prior to the outbreak of COVID-19 that Zika was actually an engineered virus 
by these powers, right? Like by the George Soros, by Bill and Melinda Gates, that uh, they had created. And it, the idea is that this virus was lab created. And so this actually predated COVID. And then when COVID strikes, it was a it was an already in place theory that people had already kind of circulated around and, and everybody's mind was primed for it. And so then this new piece to the puzzle kind of shimmied in there. But I love what you said. Like, how does that make sense that Bill and Melinda Gates would need money to do anything? Sorry, Harvey's being very rambunctious right now. Like, he's been an angel all day, and now he's like, you're recording. It's time for me to bark a lot. He hears my voice, I think. (laughs) No, I have headphones on. He can't hear your voice. He wants to play is what it is. Um... So it's. I'm glad you mentioned that it's like engineered because this takes me to the first conspiracy theory, the historical conspiracy theory. So the AIDS virus, HIV. Right. Very connected. So there are a lot of conspiracy theories surrounding HIV. And a lot of these are going to sound very similar to things that people have said about Zika, uh, Ebola, and... COVID. So first of all, and there are some prominent people who get on board with some of these theory, conspiracy yeah, theories as well. That's what I was researching too, is that like, there are people at like Harvard and, and like big, big name people who will get on board and kind of peddle this stuff. And well, it, there's, so there is a Kenyan ecologist who wins the Nobel Peace Prize, Wangari Mathi, Mathai. And Mathai believed that the uh, HIV virus was created by the United States to wipe out Africans so the United States could colonize Africa. Right. Um, and, I mean, an interview with Mathai, like, included the quote, I'm sure people know where it came from or where d- did HIV originate, but I'm quite sure it did not come from monkeys. Oh. So, uh, the the way epidemiologists understand it is that like many modern diseases and viruses, it it's an organism that crosses from animals into humans. It's a zoonautical virus. It's right, where humans and, and animals are in close contact with one another, and where it, according to epidemiologists, emerges in Africa are places where there's a lot of consumption of something called bushmeat. So bushmeat is basically anything that white people would turn their nose up at eating. Fair. I mean, is that a fair? And the interesting thing is, is the same things going on with the Wuhan China wet markets, where again, they're selling animals for consumption that white Anglo-Saxon Protestant people in the United States would turn their nose up and say, I would never eat that. Mm-hmm. So I think there's an interesting thing going on there that there's this there's this othering that's present for that. But but here we've got a Kenyan who's well respected, granted not exactly in the field of diseases and epidemics, saying this is a conspiracy by the U.S. government. At the same time, or kind of, yeah, it's actually at the same time. People within the gay community in New York and San Francisco and other areas that are initially hard hit by it um, start to wonder 
is this a government-created virus that's specifically designed to wipe out gay men? Mm. Because it's overwhelmingly hitting that population. And I, I think that still persists. I think if you talk to people, maybe not my age, but just a little bit older than me, within the gay community, you would hear them talk uh, they would be a little questioning whether or not the government was involved in this. Um, and there's just no evidence. And, and this is the thing. If there was a conspiracy like this, thousands of people would have to know about it. And there's just no way that many people could keep this secret. Well, that's what we always came back to, I think, in the last episode, time and time again. And, and with every one of these, it's like, you have to assume that thousands, tens of thousands of people would have to know about this in order for it to happen. And it just doesn't seem likely that that sort of a secret would be able to be kept. But also, I mean, what I kept saying last time is like, you assume people are that well organized that they would be able to do something like that. And what nobody likes to think about is just reality. And I was watching a documentary several months ago that was about zoonautical viruses and diseases and stuff. And it was a documentary. You're such a nerd. You're such a nerd. No, I know. (laughs) And you know what? It was like a time when I was like taking a break. I was like, I'm going to take a break. It's like I'm taking a break and reading a book on um, like – I'm not. I'm embarrassed to even talk about what I'm reading a book on. It's the history of Linux on or Unix on Apple computers. Like, it's like I'm going to take a break and read this book about the history of Unix. Like, yeah, I just need. I just need this me time. And that, <laughs> that was me. I, I was like, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to you know go and watch this documentary on zoonotic pandemics and viruses. And like, the whole premise of it was like, look. Because human beings and because our population has expanded so rapidly, we have become closer and closer and closer in contact with animals in ways that we never were before. And there are so many diseases and viruses, and a lot of them happen to live in bats because bats have, this is what I learned too, bats have this very different immune system than us. Like they can live and thrive and whatever with all these different viruses, but and that they're not the only animals. There's a lot, there are a lot of animals who carry and harbor these diseases, but that because we've become in such close contact with them, we, it is shocking that it has taken this long for something like COVID-19 to come to humans and to create such a problem, you know, to create this pandemic. And that this is, they were saying that basically like, this is going to be the decade of kind of like pandemic after pandemic after pandemic. This is so. This is what a lot of kind of epidemiologists have said: is they are surprised it took until 2019, 2020 for something of this scale to develop. I mean, they thought SARS was going to be it. They thought MERS was going to be it. They thought Zika was going to be it. Ebola. Ebola. HIV was. HIV was and still is a pandemic. Um, the the difference, you know, though, is that. HIV is quite difficult to contract, whereas COVID is very easy to contract. Yeah. I mean, Um, you can breathe the same air as somebody. And so that's what I'm, I guess what I started down that path is that 
people don't like to just confront the reality of the situation that because we have as humans just completely taken over the planet and encringed uh, you know on all this infringed on all this different space and and what have you that we become so close contact with animals that it was bound to happen in this way and because of travel you know that this virus was able to spread rapidly undetected for a while because we're traveling Global. all over the place we're flying in airplanes all over the place we covered the 1918 flu pandemic and we learned at that time that that pandemic traveled on like ships and stuff from soldiers returning from war we didn't have people in mass airplane transit across the world at that time. Had that been the case, can you imagine the death toll of the Spanish flu? I mean, we and we talked about this when we talked about the Spanish flu. Like, we don't really know the true numbers of of that pandemic because some areas of the world, there's just no way for us to get to reconstruct that data. But yeah, I mean, it's it's COVID nineteen in many ways was like the perfect virus because. Many people who contract it don't show symptoms, but they still can transmit it. Um, it's, you know, which means people could get on a plane, feel fine, land, spread it to everybody on the plane, spread it to everybody they meet once they land and stuff. And I mean, this is why they kept putting the date of when the first cases were back, back and back. Now, here's the thing. I think some of the conspiracy theories about kind of China doing this to get at the United States and stuff, China has not helped itself as far as perceptions about COVID-19. Because there's still a sense that perhaps they are not telling us the whole story of how many people got affected by this initially. Yeah, I mean, I think that it has been helpful to sowing discord, right? I mean, like there's all this want of conflict, right? Internal conflict, global conflict, et cetera, between all these different powers, right? And like, it kind of plays into everybody's hand to get everyone all anxious and upset and fighting amongst themselves. And you're right. I mean, nobody's come out and said like, no, this is absolutely not true because in a way it does sort of serve this, this greater distraction kind of a, an effort and see that, in itself sounds conspiratorial and that's a problem. And so once you believe that it's easy to go down a rabbit hole of it, but there, there has been some, I don't want to say dishonesty, but like there's been a lot of withholding of information and that's because there's tension between these superpowers. Well, so we know actually the Trump administration, when Trump was briefed on this early on, he actually is on, he was recorded saying, you know, we don't actually want to tell people how bad it really is because we don't want panic. Right. Yeah. People hear that. Right. People hear that. And I think it is a very small step then to say the government's covering this up and why is the government covering it up? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the thing. That's the way I think a lot of these conspiracies work. And I know we're going to get to QAnon later. Well, part of this, though, right? And I know that some of the people who were in QAnon who've left have talked about how, look, I did not initially believe all the crazy stuff I ended up believing. I believe this one thing that if you look at it is kind of close to the truth. Yes, it's the rabbit hole. And if you take one morsel of it and you start heading down, you get fed 
fact after fact after fact, misinformation, right? Like you just get fed crazier and crazier and crazier things to the point where you think that the Biden administration is composed of lizard people. And that's not, I'm not making a funny joke. That's actually at the far end. That's as far as I went. I mean, maybe it goes further, but at the far end of the QAnon conspiracy is that the Democrats are actually not human. They are rep- reptiles that are come from the dark side of the moon. How mm-hmm. scary is it that you can go from, gosh, seems like the government's sort of hiding something about this COVID pandemic because I'm, you know, I'm very inconvenienced by this. My family's suffering. Um, I'm not seeing huge amounts of impact from it, but I've been stuck in my house and I don't really know what's going on. Gosh, I wonder what that's about. Two months later, you emerge from your deep dive and you think people are lizards. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's to me. And that's where I guess I was like, this is terrifying before we started talking about it. Because I don't know if you've lost a family member or friend to Q, Anon. Uh, No, I have not. I, I have lost. I have lost some folks. And and there's a support group on Reddit about for this. And I read through the posts a lot of people who are kind of mourning the loss of somebody who they were close to who is so far down this rabbit hole that it's actually impossible to have a conversation with them anymore. And well, that's, me, that's yeah. what was sad. Well, that's the, and conspiracy theories are akin to cults, right? Eventually. And, and QAnon has definitely got there, but, but let's talk about some other conspiracy theories. And what's the oldest one you wanted to talk about today? The oldest one? Oh gosh. I mean, we talked about several older ones. We we just briefly touched on the Salem witchcraft trials, which we had a whole episode about that. Um, I was more interested in talking about the recent ones that are clouding mm-hmm. our politics today. But- well, did we talk about the Newberg conspiracy? I don't think we did, did we? No. So the Newberg conspiracy, this is a conspiracy that's actually true. So the problem is when there is a, when you do find out that something was true, that's what fuels, it's become circumstantial, Mm -hmm. right? That's what fuels like, well, if that's true, then maybe this could be true. And it sends people into a completely psychotic spiral. So let's go into that. So Newburgh, it's named after Newburgh, New York. The Continental Army was camped in Newburgh, New York. And soldiers are very unhappy because they weren't being paid. Um, Pensions that were supposed to be kind of issued were not. And this letter circulates um, about basically having a military coup. And taking a taking over the government of the United States. And this was in 1783, right? 1783, 1783. Yeah. And this is, so when people ask me why I think George Washington, what I think he did good for the country, George Washington stops it dead in his tracks. And he's like, this isn't what we fought this revolution for. Um, and he gives this very famous, really emotional appeal to his officers saying, you cannot do this. The Congress is supreme in this land. And what happened then is Washington said, however, I will bring up the grievances to Congress and say, look, you've got to pay these soldiers. And Congress wasn't able to do everything, but they did 
pay some of the back pay that was missing. Um, and they gave them, instead of lifetime pensions, five years of full pay. And so there, here's a conspiracy, literally a conspiracy, because you had conspirators, these officers, who were trying to engineer a coup of the United States. And then you had George Washington step in and kind of say, look, um, you can't do this. Now, what's interesting is this, Washington could have stepped in and labeled all of these men traitors and had them executed. He was well within his power to do that. Um, now, there's no uniform code of military law at this point, but definitely he could have done it. And there's still some ambiguity of this because we don't know, especially like um, some of the higher ups involved, um, like John Armstrong and General Horatio Gates. We don't know exactly what they thought they'd get out of this because those two men did not have to worry about money. So what did they have to get out of it? And we'll never really probably know any of that. But I mean, here's a conspiracy that's actually literally true. This actually happened. It was stopped. Um, and I think you're right. I think it's people who believe in conspiracies, especially the more way out ones. I think they can point to something like this and say conspiracies happen. Yeah, it, it certainly gives um, a fuel to that fire to say that, you know, sometimes things don't happen the way that they're reported. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there are cover-ups. Uh, and we find that out. We we do figure that out from time to time. You know, we we will find out years later that, hey, something wasn't as was originally reported. And I think that with a lot of conspiracy in like medicine, when you're thinking back to COVID-19, right? Like, there has the government hasn't always functioned as an honest player and and medicine either, right? I mean, we've touched on Tuskegee Airmen. That's exactly what I was getting to the Tuskegee Airmen, right? Like where they were performing experiments on Black Americans, and we also know the story of Henrietta Lacks. We also know about you know uh, I don't know if I've gotten just really quickly Henrietta Lacks for listeners, cause they might not be completely familiar with who she is. So Although this is someone you should know about Henrietta Lacks. There's a great book about her and it's called the immortal life of Henrietta Lacks. And it goes into, you know, it's her immortal life, uh, meaning that her cells were taken, um, as a source of cells to, um, become, you know, it's been an important, uh, excuse me, an important segment of her cells have been used in medical resource, uh, research over the years. And this was done without her permission. Um, and she was basically being experimented on when she was sick. Um, she had cancer and her cancer cells were extracted and they're all, it's called the Gila line, H E L A. It's like Henrietta Lacks. Um, and, so sometimes a lot of people didn't know the origins of these cells and her family was not made aware of her cells or the existence of this massive medical research experiment until well into the 1970s. And uh, so her cells have been used for medical research, uh, medical research and for commercial purposes for years and years and years. Um, so the idea that like, the government and medicine can act in 
you know, dishonest ways and, and do things without permission or lie about it or withhold information that has happened again and again and again. And um, we also know with the Tuskegee experiment that they were experimenting on black soldiers. So the idea that this could never happen, it does and it has. And so that helps fuel, I think, a lot of the conspiracy. Yeah, I, again, I think it's a case of here's a conspiracy that's actually true. Um, and I think and for many people that conspiracy then, right? Like, so I think that's part of it. Is like, and it's not a conspiracy anymore, is it? Or well, I mean, it's there are people who conspired to keep this secret from her and her family. Yes. Okay. Well, we talked a little bit last time. You'd said that like the JFK assassination is what in your mind kind of spurred the modern 20th, 21st century mm -hmm. zealot, you know, like the zealot for conspiracy. It kind of is born in the JFK assassination. There right. are people who, who are conspiracy theorists who say that the phrase conspiracy theory itself is a conspiracy. Is a conspiracy theory. Because it was created in the wake of the JFK assassination in order to discredit those who had who had different beliefs. And so if you even say, so if you're talking to somebody who's QAnon and you say that's a conspiracy theory, they automatically don't want to speak to you because or they don't want to deal because they say you're just trying to discredit me because there's a negative connotation and that that negative connotation was created in order to discredit people who thought differently or thought outside of the narrative. And there's so much psychology that goes behind that. Like I've been reading article after article about the psychology that goes into people just so badly wanting unique information. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I what I'd like to bring up, which is another one that there is a, portion of truth in the conspiracy theory and people who believe in this then take that portion of truth and say, well, then the whole thing has to be true. Mm. Pearl Harbor. Oh yeah. I think we talked a little bit about that. Right. So I, I got, I have a little more information to add to that. Okay. And so Pearl Harbor, you know, there's the conspiracy theory. The United States has foreknowledge of the attack. Of course, naval strategists realize that when the United States and Japan go to war, Pearl Harbor, the headquarters for the Pacific Fleet, is going to be a primary target for the Japanese Navy. Of course they know that. And people were like, well, then the government let it happen. Well, no, they didn't let it happen. In fact, we can look and you can see kind of a series of blunders happen to make it worse. And a, a movie, it's one of my favorite movies. My dad and I used to watch it all the time. Uh, Tora, Tora, Tora. It is a co-produced American-Japanese film about Pearl Harbor. And it kind of shows you this series of blunders that happened that lead to this thing. One of the things is they had this newfangled radar. And they had stationed the radar on Oahu, but they turned it off most of the day because they only had a couple of people who could man it. So when they weren't there, they would turn the thing off. Well, and so that's, what's kind of brilliant about it, right? Is not brilliant. It's terrible, but like that it happened on a Sunday, mm -hmm. the Japanese knew like 
these Americans, these Christians, they're going to be sleeping and at church and resting and not making well, many sailors day. were hung over from yeah. Saturday night and, yeah. and they knew it was the perfect time to attack. I mean, it's time. so people hold out. So on November 30th, the Hawaii, uh, the Hilo Tribune Herald runs a headline, Japan may strike over weekend. And people point to this and say they knew it was going to happen. It's like, yes, they knew the United States was going to get hit by Japan at some point. They don't know when, but they have a pretty good idea of where. And that's a there's a big difference between that and FDR let Japan attack us so we could go into the war. By the end of November, the United States and Japan were I hate to use the word inevitable, inevitably going to fight. Well, and that was, I think we talked a little bit about this in the Pearl Harbor podcast specifically, but that Japan's, they were twisting Japan's arm, the United States. Mm -hmm. The United States had been twisting Japan's arm and cutting off their oil supply for months. And they were being forced into an aggressive position in order to actually fuel their their military campaign and their takeover of Southeast Asia. So the United States and Japan had been feuding for a while. Um, and the attack on Pearl Harbor- I would say since 1898. Well, sure. I think Japan, Japan was that too. Right. Yeah. Japan was not happy with the United States taking the Philippines. No. Not happy at all. Well, they weren't happy with the forced opening of Japan in the first place. Was that 1968, That's right? right. We, can, we can keep going back. But you're right. There has been this longstanding feud. And then it, it really, really came to a fever pitch when the United States cut off their oil supply. And the United States had sided with China. Mm-hmm. And that's the I think States. a lot of students are surprised by that. It's like, oh, no, the, right. so the United States allied. Yeah, the United States like did this in support of China and Japanese aggression into China. Um, And it's, does the United States know that Pearl Harbor is going to be attacked? Most definitely. Do they know when it's going to happen? They have a general idea, but they don't have a precise idea. And they thought they would get, especially with this newfangled radar, they'd have some kind of advanced warning. Well, it turns out when you turn the radar off 18 hours a day, doesn't work very well. Turns out when it's off. So um, the question, though, is why did the United States move the Pacific Fleet from San Diego, from San Diego to, to from San Diego to Hawaii? Well, that's what I've had a conversation with, and I mean because I Hawaii is the logical, yeah, Hawaii is the logical forward. I mean, this is, and here's the thing: if you're thinking strategically, I mean, it's funny. So I I teach a class with an institution, um, I won't mention. Um, and we talk about Mahan who, and Corbett, who are two big naval strategists. Both of them would agree, it makes more sense for you to have that headquarters out in the middle of the Pacific than on the West Coast of the United States proper. Particularly if you're anticipating an attack, um, it just makes more sense. And yeah, I know people are like, well, the United States were, they were provoking Japan by moving it there. They were making, so it'd be easy for Japan to attack them. No, they were making it easy for the United States to respond. Yeah. To be actually halfway, right. Or right. than halfway perhaps to where the, so, it was going to be the fight. So that is, that is another one where there's like a small nugget of truth and then it just gets, it just gets blown out of proportion. Well, then people are saying, you know, FDR is letting thousands of U.S. sailors die. And it's like, no, that's not what happened exactly. 
All right, what do you got? For, what do you got for us next? What do I got for you next? Well, I think um, one of the ones that we did not really talk about last time because it was so fringe, and I think we mentioned it really quickly, was the whole PizzaGate conspiracy theory in QAnon. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you, you know this is like a recent thing, but we we talked about how it has roots in like medieval uh, anti-Semitic cult beliefs of medieval and even prior to medieval times. And it's like the it's like the the mother of all conspiracies now. It is, and it's but it's so deeply rooted in ancient belief that's tied to anti anti-Semitism. And the idea is that they're so if no if you aren't familiar with Pizzagate, I'm so happy that you're not. And if you <laughs> remain unfamiliar with it, please shut it off. But um, the idea is that there is the the first part of Pizzagate was that there was a pizza parlor in Washington D.C. I think it's called Rocket Pizza. Rocket Pizza that was serving as the storefront for child trafficking in the basement in the basement and that it's positioning in DC you know that there were a lot of elite members of government and more specifically democrats who would frequent this pizza location and there was this was during the 2016 election that this came out and the idea was that Hillary Clinton was behind it um and that in the basement, there were children being trafficked into sexual slavery. This is, if you think that this is happening, it's so scary and sad, right? If you think, oh my gosh, kids are being sexually trafficked. Somebody shows up at the pizza place. It's heartbreaking, right? Somebody shows up and starts shooting up the pizza place. So in another one of my leisure moments, I watched a documentary on the rise of Alex Jones, um, a PBS frontline documentary that I would recommend. And they show footage of the man who showed up at the pizza parlor. He was driving to DC, I believe from North Carolina. He's in his car. He's driving there. He's taking a video of himself explaining, I'm doing this for my kids. I'm so devastated by what's happening in DC by these elite people that are hurting children. I mean, this man's heart is pure. He, I mean, I don't, I know that sounds weird, but it's like, he truly is coming at it with like, I'm going to help and save the world because he had gone down this rabbit hole of conspiracy about a pizza parlor. And he goes, and this, is all, up. And this is all taking place on like 4chan and 8chan. Yeah, and so it was internet. not mainstream at this time. At all. As, no, and as a matter of fact, when I brought it up last time, we kind of like oh, I laughed it off and it went away. We didn't really get into it that big because it seemed so fringe. But now this theory, it it moves past the pizza parlor now, and it's about private islands. It's about celebrities. It's about Democrats. It's about Jeffrey Epstein was going to spill all the beans. Right. And so the idea is like, okay, Jeffrey Epstein was the one who had all the information about this evil conspiracy to harm children. And then he was murdered in his jail cell. And he had all the tapes. He had all the the flight logs. You hear about that all the time. Um, 
And then, you know, these flight logs will appear and they've been doctored. People have edited them. We've seen just over the past week how sophisticated Photoshop, video editing, et cetera, have become. I don't know. Have you seen the Tom Cruise deep fake? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. So there's like these videos of someone who totally appears to be Tom Cruise and they are fake videos. And there's a deep fake. Um, I think the British media did one of the queen, right? Mm-hmm. She was like dancing and stuff. And it was well, very funny. A new AI, a software that just got released on one of the genealogy sites where they can animate. Oh, the faces. Of, of a relative. Yeah. And it's creepy. It's disturbing. And it's so it's, I think, I think we are, at the tip of the iceberg as far as how crazy conspiracies are going to get, because now it's so easy for people to create evidence to substantiate their positions. But, but I, so the Pizzagate thing evolves though, and it starts to change from simply, they're not simply sex. It's not just sex trafficking. So it's not just pedophile elites. And these are political, financial, and, um, entertainment elites. Yeah, entertainment. Yeah, uh-huh. but it's not just that they are having sex with these children. They are also killing these children and drinking their blood. Yes. To remain immortal. Right. So, if again, if you've not heard the term adrenochrome, I again apologize for tainting you. But the idea is that children, when they're frightened, have an adrenaline kind of like spike in their blood that creates this elixir kind of like a fountain of youth sort of thing for the celebrities who then drink their blood. This is insane to even say out loud, but this is a mainstream belief at this point. So I don't know whether you've read this yet or not, but I was reading this the other day. Um, Many QAnon believers believe the elites have become so emboldened in their actions that they're actually flaunting all of this right in front of us. Yeah. Look at the plot for Pixar's Monsters, Inc. Oh, I didn't see that. I've seen a lot of arguments and I see it on TikTok. Energy from children who are frightened. Oh, geez. Oh, my gosh. So the idea is, look, these Steve Jobs and Pixar and Disney, they are flaunting it right in front of our faces and saying, look, we are pedophiles who drink the blood of your children or remain immortal. And there's nothing you can do to stop us. So who, who do QAnon people say is going to save them? Okay. So this, I, you think it can't get crazier and then it does. They think that John F. Kennedy Jr. John, 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 JFK's son, who was killed in a plane crash in 1997 with his wife, his wife, RIP, they believe that he's actually not dead and that he has been working underground for the CIA all this time to stop child trafficking and that he has been like a deep CIA plant all along and that he is the one who positioned Donald Trump to take the presidency And that they together were going to work to save all the children who are being enslaved on these private islands that belong to entertainers and Democratic elite. I mean, never mind the fact that Donald Trump was friends with Jeffrey Epstein. Well, he was friends with Jeffrey Epstein, they say. This conspiracy group says because he was just trying to get, you know, kind of like get close to the. Oh, okay. Right. You know, like he's he's wanting to take him down, but like he's going to do it in like a 
in sort of a double agent kind of way. Okay. I mean, this is anything you say, and I'm telling you, I have dealt with people like this who I was once very close to. Anything you say, there is an answer for it. And the answer is even more batshit crazy than the last answer. How does the moon base figure into this? So the okay, so the moon base does figure into it because they think that the the reason that they have to drink the blood and they have these rituals and all this is because they're not actually human, that they're reptilian, and that people leave planet Earth through a base in Antarctica. And they've shown like, you know, imaging of uh maps and imaging and stuff of like caves and like this is the cave that they go into and then they leave there and then they go to the moon base and i'm assuming people are listening to this and like laughing i don't know i mean because it's so bizarre but this is not like a fringe like i you do not have to dig deep on the internet to find this so why do lizard people want to live on the moon that i don't know i that's that's their natural habitat. Oh, they're an alien species. The government faked the moon landing. What was that? I thought the government faked the moon landing. Well, that's all also a part of the theory. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's that's what's so terrifying about it is like people are so dead set that this is the case that even if you were to suggest it. A lot of the the very first thing is like, well, do you want children to be trafficked? And it's like, no, I don't. And here's the thing. Human trafficking is real. Mm -hmm. Child sexual slavery is real. This happens. We know it happens. We know that um, humans are trafficked. This, This is not fake, right? So you get that shred of evidence. And, and I always ask people who believe this i say you know why don't you read the book half the sky by nicholas Kristoff and cheryl wudun they're new york times reporters and they write about trafficking and you know they write about ways that you can help people who are victims of human trafficking and you know that's that's a place i would point you into because like that's an that's actual real but those are lizard people and see that's so then when people are so far, far there, I mean, it's almost like they would need to be institutionalized and reprogrammed and have to undergo intense daily therapy in order to reprogram their minds to behave normally because they're just so far gone. I don't, and you know, the thing is like, no, I don't like child trafficking. I don't want that to happen at all. But to assume that it's like, taking place on this scale where it's political. That's what's so bizarre to me. Like, Mm -hmm. Oh, it's Democrats who do this. Okay. Why? Why Democrats? I mean, I, here's the thing. Do you think if COVID hadn't happened, QAnon would have gained traction like it has? I don't think it would have. No, I think it was always fringe. I think it was going to stay on the fringe. I think that, you know, there were going to be a number of Trump supporters who believed it. I don't think that the Capitol insurrection would have happened. And I don't think it would have spread this rapidly. And I blame Facebook. I blame Instagram. I blame TikTok, right? Like 
this is how this information, I don't blame them like, oh, they're responsible for it. But it's like, that's where the information spreads so rapidly. We have always had conspiracy theories. I'm, I am partially guilty for listening or watching QAnon videos on TikTok. Because no, they kill me. All the time for research. They crack me up. They just kill me because the logical circles people have to go in to make this whole thing work. Um, it, it's just mind boggling. Well, so the reason we're doing this episode today, today's March 4th, 2020. Well, something was supposed to happen at 12 o'clock Eastern time. It's a very special day for QAnon, right? It didn't happen. The idea was that Trump was going to be restored to power. He was going to be re-inaugurated as president today, March 4th. It 18th is not, or 19th president? They said the 19th. What was that about? They say he's going to be inaugurated as the 19th president. So the United States has been a corporation um, since US Ulysses Grant. And that's not legal and that that was going to be rolled back. So every president since Ulysses S. Grant would be invalidated so Trump would actually end up being the new president, but he would now be eligible for two terms because his first term had been under the corporation and blah, 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 mm-hmm. and all of this. And surprise, mm-hmm. it doesn't happen. Although- Yeah, on the East Coast now. Well, security officials did finally take it seriously at the Capitol and say, look, there is a possibility of nut jobs showing up with weapons. And apparently they didn't do that last time. But look at how much money has gone into this now. How much, how much of, you know, taxpayers' money has gone into stopping people who are so deranged and out of their mind from, again, attacking the United States Capitol? I mean, how could that of money have been used to actually combat child trafficking? Or, right. actually or to educate people about information help, literacy. Right, or to help people who've lost jobs because of the, the pandemic. I mean, right. many other things could have been done with that money. And... It's maddening because the uh, the time and energy people spend on this conspiracy, which is not going away anytime soon. No, I, I think not. you're right when you said tip of the iceberg. But, I mean, I'm curious to see what date they've put forward next. I know there's going to be. So this is the thing. There's always a date. So there was supposed to be, I think, back in October, the, there was going to be a rally in Dallas, a Trump rally. And he was supposed to unveil JFK Jr. as being this soldier for fighting against child trafficking. And they were finally going to reveal hashtag trust the plan. They were going to reveal what had happened and that, you know, they've been fighting this the whole time. Guess what? The man who died 25 years ago didn't show up because he's dead. How is it that people can't get a fact that someone's dead I mean, it's like the people who think Elvis is still alive. I mean, it's the thing is, it's so odd that they latched onto John John as this person. Like, I don't understand that exactly. I mean, he had the you know '90s sex appeal going on, but was maybe only on women like who were in their 40s. That was like who their crush was. Like, just like like, I was like, oh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas is going to save the world. You know, like I don't know, Elaine on Seinfeld. Yes, I was thinking of that episode. John John's in my exercise class. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, um, yeah, I don't. <laughs> We're running out of time, but I do want to bring up one final true conspiracy theory um, that I think is connected with this. And I think it'll be a good intro 
when we revisit some topics related to this, I don't think we're going to have a, an episode devoted to conspiracy theories again, although who knows, but the Branch Davidian massacre, if you call it that in Waco in 1993, this along with Ruby Ridge are two big rally points that lead to the bombing of the federal office building, um, the borough building in Oklahoma city and many people who are now part of QAnon were early believers in this. And the issue with College the branch... has got to start. Right, right. So 82 people die in this fire that tears through the Branch Davidian compound outside Waco, Texas, after kind of a siege by ATF officials and, and the FBI. And the, the conspiracy theory goes that federal officials started this fire intentionally um, with incendiary devices. And uh, this was at the behest of Janet Reno, who was attorney general. um, And that this was simply a people trying to exercise their constitutional right, freedom of religion and the federal government, the feds, um, during Bill Clinton's presidency, quashed this. So there have been multiple investigations. And while they have criticized some of the things the ATF and the FBI did during this incident, no credible evidence has ever emerged that the fire was caused by federal officials. But this was a, a great launch point. You're right. Into I, I think it's like the baby of QAnon. But since the of investigations are j- created either by media install- outlets or by the government, if you're a conspiracy theorist, you point to that and say, well, that's no evidence this didn't happen. Like, of course, they're going to say this didn't happen. Yeah. And I would like to point out, though, that, you know, starting to believe this kind of stuff and then blaming entire groups of people, this is what leads to genocide. I mean, I mean, that sounds like I've just taken such a massive leap, but it's like we see evidence of this kind of conspiratorial thinking in the 1920s and the 1930s in Germany. Mm-hmm. And the Nazi party rises based on a conspiracy that Jewish people are taking over the world and taking over the banks and ruining the economy. And well, what's the best way to handle that? Well, we round them all up and we kill them. And if you, you take something so serious, if to, to people in the United States, like religion, right? Like your religion's being infringed upon. People get really upset about that. You take, you just keep taking it further and further and further to the point where I think one of the most sense, the things that we are most sensitive about as a society is cruelty toward children mm-hmm. and stack upon that sexual cruelty toward children. So yeah. you take this idea that there is an entire group of people responsible for the most egregious crime that we can come up with in our society. Why wouldn't you want to take those people down? Are you a part of them? You know, well, that's how it gets to that point. Well, and I think your I think your analogy with Germany is well founded because here's the thing: Jewish people had long been demonized in Europe, particularly Germany, as engaging in practices like drinking the blood of Christian babies. 
Yeah, this which, is where it goes back to. I mean, the adrenochrome thing, people think it's like so, oh, this is weird. It's like, no, that actually, we know that that dates back to like the 13th century. What's interesting, though, is that here you've got Christians in Germany saying this is what Jewish people are doing. One of the early conspiracy theories about Christianity yeah. as it becomes a religion in the Roman Empire yeah. is that Christians kill and sacrifice babies and drink their blood. Well, they okay, so here's the thing, like they're not helping that conspiracy because you have you know communion which is like drink my blood and growing up Catholic, I can tell you when you go sip that wine, you you are supposed to believe with all your heart and soul that you are drinking the blood of Jesus Christ himself. It's cannibalistic. I know we've talked about this before. Uh-huh. If you didn't catch our last episode, I'm, or if you did, I'm sorry to repeat. But it is Christianity at its core. We take it so faith, like we just take it like it's so normal because so many of us grew up with it. But like that's cannibalism. You're eating somebody's body and drinking somebody's blood. That's weird. Like, let's dress up. Let's dress up seven-year-olds in white dresses and make them drink a man's blood. What the? F- what's going on here? Let's take pictures. We'll have a cake. It's called communion. It's bizarre. It's totally bizarre. But you know, it, so that's where this kind of stuff comes from, though. Is like it's it's rooted in religious ritual, religious practice, ancient religious ritual, anxious and an- anxious, ancient, and it's not new. It's not new, but it's not new at all. If you don't know that and then you hear it. So I think my fear of all this is like I scroll through TikTok, I'm highly amused by it. The people who scroll through TikTok are on average between like what 10 and 20 years old. They're young. They are young kids that are not educated. And they're going through and watching 60 second clips where somebody's like, you want to know what happened in the conspiracy theory? And they talk really, really quickly. And they like flash pictures up. And then they tell you something batshit insane. And it plants the seed in your mind. And then you scroll Mm -hmm. through and watch somebody dancing. And then you scroll again and you watch a cat doing something funny. And then you scroll again and you get another 60 second insane video. And this is like, to me, that is an indoctrination, right? Like this massive spread of misinformation. And I see it all the time. And like, I can look at it and go, this is rooted in anti-Semitism. This is ridiculous. This is not historically accurate. But I'm 32 years old and I spend my, I devote my life to watching frontline documentaries, Mm -hmm. you know, and you have like a 17, 18 year old kid. They don't know. I've had so many students peddle conspiracy theories at me. I mean, the latest one that I heard, I know you said we ran out of time. I'm sorry. The latest one I heard, though, is they think Helen Keller doesn't exist. Yeah. Have you heard that they one? Impossible. They say it's impossible for her to have done what she was supposed to have done. It's impossible that she existed. It's like, okay. I mean. Well, no, they say it's impossible that she wrote as much as she did because she was blind and she could not speak. So it's. If you look at that, right, um, in and of itself, it's somewhat harmless. It's stupid. It's ignorant. It's incorrect. Somewhat harmless. If we, It's pretty ableist, though. It is ableist, but it's also, it's, it's also, it's not going to, like, bring down the government if people think Helen Keller didn't exist, right? But that's where you get sucked in. You watch one video and you interact with one video and the algorithm 
tunes into your thought process, and then you just get fed a stream of misinformation. And it's, it's so terrifying. I, we're laughing, we're crying. I don't know. I don't know what this is all going to mean for the future. You said we're not going to have another episode on this. Like, I, I said, we probably, I said we probably won't. Well, I think that we're going to keep seeing the reper- repercussions of this. Well, I do. So there are many. it again and again. So there are many conspiracy theories involving the United States and Cuba. And I do at some point want to have an episode where we deep dive into the United States and Cuba's kind of long fraught relationship. Okay. Because I think a lot of those conspiracy theories, elements of those have been co-opted into more modern conspiracy theories. That's what it always is, right? You can you can find the original somewhere buried. None of right. this is new and, stuff. That's, yeah. Just to tease that conversation, which okay. will happen at some point, Justin Trudeau may be Fidel Castro's son. Oh, my gosh. Okay, we've got a deep dive. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us this week. Yeah. Uh, I'm Jeff. And I'm Hillary. And I wanted to say really quickly, we have a YouTube channel. We have, you know, podcast subscriptions, Spotify. Like and subscribe please um, leave us a comment, interact with us. Uh, We're happy to be here. We're doing this every week and it's great to be on a schedule. Thanks for joining us.